Welcome to Epignosis, the teaching ministry of Chris Morgan. May the light of God illuminate your heart and may the truth make you free as you listen. Christ said something in Matthew eleven twelve. He said, from the time of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. This very statement sent the imagination of many people flying. I don't know why, but for some reason, violence seems to excite human beings. It's obvious when you see how it sells in the movies, sports, and other things on this planet. I have a friend who calls them pusha pusha films. And if you play a movie that is not pusha pusha, she's not interested. People get excited about a fight, especially one they are not a part of but can only watch. Action movies sell big. So when Jesus of all people starts to talk about action, that sent all kinds of waves within the faith. People began to imagine all kinds of martial arts. Some people simulate all kinds of fight postures during prayer and some mimic using swords. It's not strange to see people kicking the air during prayer time. And I even saw a presentation in a church about spiritual warfare, which was basically like a Chinese movie. They were doing all kinds of somersaults and dramatic fight moves to demonstrate spiritual warfare. <laughs> At this point, I thought to myself, wait a minute, this can't be right. So I decided to dig in and do a little research on that scripture. The NIV version of that scripture brings the actual meaning closer into view. And it reads, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. This version of the scripture at first sight immediately diffuses the idea of a violent church. Rather, Christ is speaking of a kingdom that is subjected to violence, not being violent themselves. The violent are not those of the kingdom, but those subjecting the kingdom to violence. It's always a good practice to get some context on every scripture you are doing a study on. I always back up at least a few verses or even the beginning of the chapter to get some context. Reading it from the beginning of that chapter, it becomes quite clear why Christ made this statement in the first place. The disciples of John the Baptist had approached Christ with some questions from John. You see, shortly after Christ started his ministry, John was arrested by King Herod, whom he had been quite vocal against. Now being in prison, John was beginning to have doubts about Christ. He figured that Christ should have been able to get him out of prison if he is really the Son of God who he has been waiting for. So he sent his disciples to ask him some direct questions. Though John was a forerunner of Christ, he obviously didn't quite fully understand the mission of Christ. Jews had always believed that 
the Messiah's mission was to free them from the dominion of Gentile kingdoms. But the reality was that the Messiah's mission had to do with freedom from another kind of domination for the entire world, not just for Jews. So when the disciples of John asked the question, he told them to take back evidence of what they had witnessed, which perfectly agreed with scriptures. They didn't get the kind of answer they were hoping for, but at least John knew he had finished his work. Christ then went on to explain to his disciples what happened to John with that scripture. The violent take it by force. This was Christ telling his followers what to expect. They will take it by force, and they did. Following the death of the master, there arose waves of persecution and violence against Christianity for hundreds, even thousands of years. Even up till recently in northern Nigeria, where Christians were given the choice to renounce their faith by force or be killed. The glorious thing about the whole thing is that regardless of how horrible the persecutions have been, it has never succeeded in stopping the advance of the gospel. The truth is that with the evolution of the human society, those kinds of barbaric acts have been naturally brought down to the barest minimum. Democracy and other civil ideas have been able to disarm those evil tools of darkness against light. That's why I seriously believe that progress and the development of innovations are the greatest tools that light can deploy against darkness. The more human beings become mentally developed, the more our society can be free. The more knowledge we get, the more light we have to drive out darkness. Darkness, as a matter of fact, has no power of its own because it's simply an absence of light. Once light shows up, darkness has to flee. So the way to defeat darkness is not to fight it. That's the mistake people make. Fighting darkness is an activity in futility. It's more or less fighting yourself. Just bring some light and darkness naturally goes away. Darkness in scripture is an allegorical representation of ignorance. Hosea 4.6 started with, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Which means that ignorance is the destroyer. Therefore, to defeat the darkness of ignorance, we must do it with the light of knowledge. So what is spiritual warfare? It is simply the battle waged within against the stronghold of ignorance using the weapon of light. Another simple but allegorical way to express it is that it is the battle between darkness and light. It is not an external battle, but primarily an internal one. However, what happens internally will have ripple effects in the physical. John the Baptist would not have been arrested if Herod had simply embraced the light of knowledge and repented from his evil actions. 
He took his brother's wife while the brother was still alive. That was what John was talking about. And the woman, Herodias, got angry and got John arrested, eventually killed. Herodias, who was the woman, must have seduced Herod, and being a weak man, he succumbed. Had Herod allowed the light of knowledge rest in his heart, he would not have fallen victim to such foolishness. Though the end of Herod and Herodias were not recorded in the Bible, I'm very sure it can't have been a good end. This is spiritual warfare. It's basically a kind of psychological warfare, which is meant to ultimately discourage your faith. It's a very subtle affair. It's not always obvious as in this case, and it's most times about religious strongholds. In my own case, my greatest battle for many years now has been finding and breaking long-held religious ideas and dogmas in my life, which has freed me to take hold of new ideas and enforce my liberty in Christ. It's tough to intimidate someone who knows what he has in rights and privileges. The great Apostle Paul speaks about it in 2 Corinthians 10 from verse 3 to 4. And it reads, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Most people don't know this, but these three verses are simply talking about pulling down strongholds through knowledge. In addition to the foregoing scripture, the apostle also details some of the weapons we deploy in this spiritual battle in Ephesians 6, 13 to 17. In those verses, the belt allegorically represents truth. The breastplates was righteousness. The boots or shoes were the gospel of peace and the shield was faith and the sword was the word of God. Notice that Paul used the typical kit of a soldier in his time to illustrate. So in summary, we were using truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, and the word of God, which honestly seems to be the same thing to me, knowledge. These are the basic weapons of warfare according to Paul. However, I have found that we have one weapon that is greater than all other weapons put together. That weapon is love. Without love, everything will not function properly. Even the knowledge you acquire will only serve to corrupt you. Love is the basic foundation of anything good, and it's the most powerful thing of all things. Demons will fight you if you like to fight. In fact, demons like those who like to fight. They will keep coming back to such people to fight because that's what demons live for. But demons can't stand someone who walks in love, people who forgive and refuse to retaliate, people whose response to stimuli are abnormal, as described in Matthew chapter 5. 
They don't understand such people. They will eventually get frustrated and leave such people alone. Now in closing, we can clearly see that spiritual warfare is not about fighting external enemies, but it's about battling internal darkness, which actually is ignorance. The external attacks we get are simply the normal results of the influence of darkness in the world. We can't stop it. We can only prepare to face it. Spiritual warfare is not about prayer. However, prayer is one of the tools you use to build up yourself to get through it. Spiritual warfare is not fighting demons. First of all, demons are not spirits, but disembodied souls in the astral dimension. They are an unfortunate reality we must endure while we are here. They only seek influence among the living because they burn with desire, but have no means of fulfilling those desires. They are therefore filled with jealousy against the living. The best we can do is to keep our mental capacity sharp at all times live a dispassionate life don't allow your emotions get the best of you and stay away from anything that can compromise your intelligence like too much alcohol and hard drugs those things are not sins but puts a person in danger from these malignant forces people who have compromised intellectual capacity are easily invaded and controlled so keep your wits about you and avoid evil passions like anger and jealousy and you won't have to worry about demons. Everyone will go through different seasons in life. You will have a time of plenty and a time of scarcity, a time of pleasures and a time of suffering, a time to be built up and a time to be broken down. All these seasons have a place in your life's journey. So don't always think it's about demons or enemies. It's just your life's journey. Find peace always in the fact that it's not about where you are, but where God is. As long as God is with you, then it doesn't really matter where you are. Thank you very much for listening and God bless you. were blessed by these teachings. For inquiry, support, and contributions, kindly send us an email on epignosis721 at gmail.com. You can also send us a message via WhatsApp on 234 We would love to hear from you. God bless you.